This episode of the Council of the First Ones was recorded on December 29th, 2019. Welcome back to the Council of the First Ones. I'm Kelly, your host, and joining me today, I have Rex joining me. Hello, everyone. I thought I had Rex. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have Rex? Yeah. Yep, (laughs) he said hi. And we have Dave joining us. Hello. Good to be back. Sean. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here once again. My good friend, Renee. Oh, it's a wonderful time of year, isn't it? <laughs> David, you have the honors, please. Oh, I am very honored because we've got two very special guests. We have two of the wonderful talents behind the He-Man and the and, and the Masters of the Multiverse comic book series from DC Comics. We've got artist Dan Frega and Tim Seeley, the writer. Wow. Yeah, what's happening? Oh. So, yeah, I mean, we're <laughs> excited to have you here. Very. And so uh, just jumping into it, uh, we got to give everybody here the spoilers. OK, this is a spoiler filled episode. OK, we're free to talk about anything and everything on issue two. OK, all the secrets he told us out of the audio recording. But uh, again, I'm, I'm putting that spoilers <laughs> label on here in the spoilers warning. So, gentlemen, feel free to discuss anything and everything uh, you want to. Everybody's had more than enough time to talk about issue two. That's right. Sounds They've good. had a good two weeks to read it. So jumping into it, okay, the, just to just to catch up on our readers, this goes to, uh, I, I guess, Mr. Uh, Seeley, Tim. Where are we in the story in issue two? Issue two picks up uh, after our two uh, multiversal He-Man, uh, the 1987 Dolph Lundgren movie one and the Tapper's Grayskull video game He-Man. They've picked up uh, their only hope, which in this case is uh, Keldor from Anti-Eternia, uh, and they've taken him trying to track down Anti-Eternia He-Man, who's killing various He-Men and taking their swords and their powers of Grayskull. They have landed in the world of uh, New Adventures He-Man, so it's Space He-Man. They're on Starship Eternia, and they're in the middle of a uh, mutant breakout, so... Uh, Anti-He-Man has let out loose all the mutants, and so they're running around on this giant starship trying to find Anti-He-Man before he uh, drains the power of starships. I gotta say, I can't believe I, was... I said all those words. That's yeah. a lot of. I can't believe that's the thing I said <laughs> in real world. <laughs> I know it sounds so geeky when we say it out loud, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds geeky and it also right sounds now, like man. music. It sounds like music yeah. as well. <laughs> I know. It is awesome. I mean, that's that's the part I'm grasping, you know, with this series when we heard about EmpowerCon and here we are two issues into a six issue series. And I'm like, wow, I am on back to new adventures. But I got to point out to the uh, artist and again to the writer, I'm not in the cartoon. The what? So you're not I'm in not it? in the cartoon, you know, like you're not so into it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm saying I'm not. Let me word it carefully. <laughs> I'm I'm not into the the actual cartoon of the New Adventures, which was the only media we got. Oh, the jet lag. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got the you also got the mini con, which is kind mm-hmm. of what I was using as a basis for this because oh. they're slightly different. Um, and there's not a lot of them, but it was easier to contain. And the cartoon is also like, I mean, the original He-Man cartoon is obviously a kids' cartoon, but New Adventures was even more of a kids' cartoon. So like, you know, I mean. 
I, I think that should be totally okay, but it's hard to use that as a basis when it's so kiddie. I mean, it's, which is, yeah. I think it's great for what it is, but so we just combine some of the stuff, which is a little more, um, you know, sci-fi, a little more adult, not oriented, but it's like a little more heady. I guess many comics did some of that stuff um, and kind of explained things in a different way. So I just use that mostly as a basis. And Dan, I knew we weren't going to be using the style of the new adventures cartoon for this. Um, so right. we didn't feel constrained to, to do that. Um, we do use the style of the, you know, the filmation He-Man and we use the style of the mini comics later. But in this case, we didn't feel that it was necessary um, because it's, I don't think as many people are familiar with it. There's not quite as much affection for it. Um, it's a cool world to play in, but it's not as beloved as the other stuff. So we just didn't feel as bad. I didn't even it. know. I didn't even know it existed until uh, I read your plot. You know, it was yeah, one of those right. like the, it was it was my indoctrination, but it might be also, uh, you know, a symptom of my age that, you know, I was already, uh, you know, drinking alcohol and driving cars. When what is it, 89 or 90, when New Adventures comes out, it wasn't, it yeah. just wasn't like that, that generation that was following it, um, you know, our, our sort of generation that loved the, the first wave of toys and stuff didn't, I was 13, I think, or 14 when it came out, so I was not yeah. watching it. I mean, I, I was occasionally buying the toys if they were cool. But I wasn't like telling my friends I was buying the toys because I was 14, you know. Um, so right. yeah, I think, and that's kind of the <clears throat> case of that show. It didn't really make a new generation of fans of He-Man fans, but it is significant. So we, and I definitely wanted to do something with it, um, even if we like. And I have, have to issue. I have to say, out of uh, out of the the many versions of Skeletor that I've I've uh, had to draw, Space Skeletor is hands down my favorite. He's there's something about him that is just awesome. Yeah, um, it's uniquely cool. It's like the it's basically taking like a bad guy from Conan and making him into a Star Wars villain, Darth Vader, right? It's it there's something cool right. about it. Oh, well, I just wanted to say you did a fantastic job with New Adventures Skeletor, and I'm I'm wondering where can I get the those sketches because yeah, you you just <laughs> nailed it, killed. It. Anyway, yeah, you what, really killed it. it. Yeah, thank you. You'd see Dan like the first issue. Dan is hasn't drawn a comic in a while and then by the second issue dan is all warmed up so you're seeing you're seeing all hot and ready dan frega that's that's good to stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. hot and ready fresh <laughs> made to order well, just to just to point out uh you mentioned last time we we had you dan that you had a hell of a time drawing the boot <laughs> and yeah I, I well and that, that's a, that's that's the funny thing is is uh and tim and he, tim warned me uh, that issue three would be even more so with, uh, with where we're going with that. Uh, uh, you know, the Skeletor that's on the last page of issue two is our Skeletor in issue three. And, Disco um, Skeletor. Yeah, I know. Skeletor. He, his boots, I don't know if you guys have ever, like, just taken a good look at his boots. <laughs> they are, they are uh, a dedication of work each time you have to draw them. It's uh, they're a lot yeah. Of the four horsemen totally nailed you. They totally screwed you on that one because <laughs> they designed those things to be awesome toys. And they like came from McFarland toys and they sculpted those things and then they just all over you because then you got to draw those every time and yeah. all those. Is that know, is I, that I remember, who sculpted those? Yeah, four horsemen did it. The three hundred. Oh man, the, 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 so good. Uh, two thousand X figures. The which is the end yeah. of issue two and the beginning of issue three where we go to um the Mike Young Productions cartoon also the 
yeah. four horsemen here. So those guys are all ex McFarland dudes. Like they, yeah. So it was not meant uh, to be easily reproduced in comics. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Dan was punished heartily. <laughs> <laughs> I got to compliment you guys, you know, because I did look at, and I am actually holding right now at this moment, I'm holding my, uh, I guess I'm going to call him space Skeletor figure. When oh, I no. had the issue, I was, well, my classics, I'm holding the classics and I was holding oh, them okay. and I'm just like, wow, the detail, the, you just, you got every nuance. And when I yeah, was looking that's... at that, I was seeing again, He-Man's armor, the movie He-Man's armor. And just, yeah. how did you get that detail? Cause I never, I've never seen the armor up close. I don't know if you have. I, I have, uh, there, there, one of the things that Tim Tim knows about me because I'm super duper uh, thorough when it comes to reference, is trying to get as much as I can. So I, you know, scoured the movie posters. There's also a toy that's being made, and that toy had uh, very meticulous detail, but it was a sharp enough image of of uh, the Dolph version that I could extrapolate a lot of information using all of the sources I had. And then later on, uh, this this uh, gentleman on Facebook uh, sent me some pictures from a convention where they had the actual costume. So it was like, you know, not your sweet, sweet angles, but like angles that give you more information. Like that's that's basically what I do with the references. I'm a detective and I go, OK, Smart. what don't I know? Okay, <laughs> what do I know from this? What what can I make of this? What angles, you know, that it, that's that's the kind of stuff that goes on. I mean, it. I, I explain that sometimes to people regarding, a you know, a comic book artist job, um, you know, depending depending on the levels of, of things uh, can end up being, you know, a lot of times you're a, you're a detective. Well, I started to feel guilty when I was writing stuff for, for Dan because I would I'd be like, oh, and then in this, you know, uh, the 2000 X versions of. Of you know Hordak and King Hiss and and Tongue Lasher <laughs> and Rattler they all show up and then he'd be like dude I've, I've got to like buy all these figures and look at them like I realized I was destroying Dan's life the funny thing is is it's like the whole live by the sword die by the sword it's like comics and toys are all I loved as a as a kid you know growing up and now I'm like God man. You know, you, 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 <laughs> like there, there becomes there's a thing I call uh, I call it Tetris brain because it's the only it's the very first time I was ever affected by it. But when back in 87, 88, when the Game Boy came out and you could get Tetris, uh, we play it hours on end. But then you go to bed and your head would be filled with Tetris. You wouldn't be yes. playing Tetris. <laughs> yes. you'd be playing Tetris in your head. Um and I would get Tetris brain on uh, a lot of the characters, uh, the detail on the characters. It's like I would just be thinking about the edges and turns and twists. Um, that should be your rap name, man. Uh, I don't know. I think Tetris brain <laughs> yeah. is a great hip hop yeah. name. What is yeah, it? Not Tetris brain? You speak it's the like truth. I mean, Doom. You said Tetris brain. I completely. I I was there, man. I th- I think we're the same age because yeah. I I was there when Masters Universe came out. As a kid, I grew up with it. New Adventures came out. I saw them, but I was kind of like, well, it's not my He-Man. But I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, and I looked at them at the toys. You know, I didn't. I stopped buying toys, but I never stopped looking at them. You know, I, I oh, yeah. my parents would go to the store, and I would always end up wandering to the toy aisles and just 
picking them up and looking at them. I didn't realize I was yeah. appreciating, and I totally yeah. regret not um, buying them. And they, like the optic is one of the coolest fun. toy designs. Yes, you know, it's, it's such a a perfect object, you know. Like the I think the heroes are sort of just look like GI Joes to some degree. They're not, which is fine, but they're just not. Yeah. They don't feel like He Man guys, but the the mutants feel like He-Man figures because those could easily have been, you know, in the original line. It's just the I, I could see what they were trying to do, and it's you know they were okay toys, but they were um, weren't they? Didn't they reuse them for Demolition Man or something too? So like yes. that's how it's just about everything. Right. No. Yeah. So yeah, they're just not as cool. Oh, they don't, oh. they don't Wait a minute. What, did Tim just say that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I should. I should. I should mention that Tim is a huge He-Man nerd. All right, like us, like he he is I wrote the a book. long time He Man. I wrote the book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally wrote the book. Yeah. We'll test you, man. We'll test you, man. I mean, you're talking to oh, the I'll council of the first I'll ones. <laughs> Exciting news for everybody out in the multiverse: Eternia and Bard Songster will be going back on tour after a 30-year hiatus. Catch Songster on tour at your nearest intergalactic stadium, Songster. If I if I can jump in real quick and ask Tim a question, because this, this was my biggest curiosity, especially knowing he'll be on the show. You are the first writer, besides the German audio play writers, to get to do something with anti-attorney Ahiman, who's kind of become a fan favorite character in the classics line and, and in the masters community. Um, what was, what was your thinking of adding, of making his voice happen in this? And what was your thinking of this characterization and stuff going into this? Because this is basically the, you're like planting the flag in a sense for the worldwide fan base, getting to see him in this incarnation and being brought to the forefront with this mini series. Like what, what was your thought process of how he should be, uh, it, like you said, the the voice for the character and all that kind. Of. I mean, I want to use him. You know, I've, I'm a fan going way back, and when I was on HeMan.org, when when people sort of started posting all that stuff they were finding, um, I'm kind of a silent read watcher on there, but I've been reading it for since 2000, no, 1999. I've been on HeMan.org when it first started. So um, if you go back, I've got posts on there like from 2000, 2001. So, um, but I don't remember when, but somebody found that 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 play and then the guys who were doing continuing adventures of the universe those guys were doing customs of it i made one of the anti-he-man back in like 2006 or something um so i always thought he was cool and i, I felt like somebody had to do something with it um and so when i pitched they asked me to pitch for uh injustice versus master universe i pitched it um you know as the story that they kind of wanted to do with the, the crossover and then i pitched just that it would follow up with uh, anti-attorney and they were okay. like yeah kind of hold that back uh but they weren't sure what they wanted to do with it but then they said can you do something kind of like the spider-verse but with he-man and i said yes and now i can use anti-he-man <laughs> uh, and they were like perfect um but the uh and the original um my thinking was and i've been wanting to do this forever and there's a bit of dialogue i think he says in issue two that i've been thinking about forever which was if you were the opposite of grace call which is all the wisdom and all the sort of goodness and and uh of the universe you know contained then then anti-he-man would be all the worst the the, the horrors so i think he says in issue two or three where he says um you know i saw the, the all the horrors and i became the horror so mm-hmm. to me he'd be like this love yeah, that was just two. That was just two. okay 
So that like I was thinking of this like Lovecraft kind of like co- mm-hmm. cosmic horror like, and you'll see that that comes across later because I didn't want I think the the original the German autoplay is real simple and which it totally should be, but it, the, the origin is just there's an evil world and that's it. It's just opposite and there's no explanation for it. And so we're going to explain why that exists and it's actually like a big part of the mythology that I wanted to you know I feel like we had a chance to add some mythology there. You know, most of the stuff has been pretty firmly established. And even when, you know, they did the new series at DC that Abnett and Lanning were doing, or Dan Abnett was doing with, uh, with Rob. And, and, uh, in the end, like, you know, it's really like you're doing a remake of all this stuff and you're tying it together. But like, you know, it's been a while since we added some new stuff. So I felt like let's add some history that we haven't seen yet. Something, you know, that, that explains the origin of attorney and why it's the center of the universe and all that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that was my big plan. Um, I was curious from issue one, uh, your perspective on anti-Eternia, on anti-Eternia, how they actually had Tila in a reverse, in the anti-Eternia version of Tila, where she was, uh, black and red eyes and everything. Yeah. I mean, so the, the idea here is, well, you'll see the origin of it, but I didn't want it to be the opposite, like, everyone is evil because they're evil. And you see that Randor is not the opposite. He's not anti-Randor, right? So we'll explain that. There'll be a, there'll be a, a, a kind of origin story to this whole thing that ties it together, um, and, and you know, kind of plays on the idea. And what I want to do there is investigate what makes someone He-Man. What is you know, like in a in a very I don't know, taking it very seriously, but also sort of the idea that it's this force for goodness, and how could it be perverted, and how could He-Man be bad? Um, and what would that do to people around him? And what would that do to the world around him? So like, it's, you know, I mean, I'm trying to take it seriously, but also like, this is based on a kid's toy line and it's supposed to be these big epic uh, things that, you know, deals with heroism and evil and, and, and just do that and not be cynical about it, but just have a good time with it. Yeah. What's that? I was just saying uh, how her look changed on anti-Eternia. She was corrupted or something. Is how you're yeah. Projecting. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So we'll find out. How her look changed here. Yeah. So, You'll see why that happened later. So that, but I don't want to reveal stuff. But there's a there's a reason for it. I think we get to it in issue four. But like I want to explain the being like you know black and red. Like it's not, it's cool, it's cool as hell. But it's also you know there's a there's I want to add some mythology. So there, it's not just you know this is a reverse world and people are reverse. Because um, I felt like that's kind of a cheat to some degree. Like you know. The reverse world of Superman and the reverse world of all this of Doctor Who and mirror world of Star Trek, um, you know, sometimes they just explain it as, oh, that's the goofed up world. And, and I feel like if you're talking about Master Universe, you have to have a, it has to have a tie to the whole larger world. If there's all these infinite universes that we can play with, why is this one the way? Well, that's a line that you're kind of walking because you pointed it out. In Bizarro World, you know, in the comics and the history of it, it it did get silly. But to point out, like Star Trek one in the dark or the the Star Trek Mirror Universe one, there is reasons to. Yeah, totally. It's a good story. I mean, the this is a trope. It's a trope that goes back. You know, it's been used a million times, even before Star Trek did it. But like the science fiction trope of if there's these multiple infinite universes, there'd be one where where you're a bad guy. Like that's it's an awesome way to tell something about your character, right? Like if we learn about your your hero and then we see their reflection, you get to tell us all about our hero because we learn about what happened 
if he's completely, you know, reflected. He's opposite. And it's, it's a it's a cool trope. There's no reason not to do it. I think people um, still love it. It's cool, and you get cool uh, variant action figures out of it. So it's like there's there's tons of reason to do a story like this and have a good time with it. But I, I also don't think like you know it's all silly. Like, but it's that's what it should be, right? This should be fun, you know. That's that's my my take on this stuff. You know, I don't want to take it like I think you have to make it. Um, there has to be high stakes and there has to be, you know, good um, character stuff. But like, you can never forget that it's like, it's a muscle bound barbarian guy named He-Man. Like, that's in muscle guy. Like, that's his name. Like, that's, you can't ever like yeah. forget that that's back, you know? Like, or that the bad guy is named Skeletor and it's just one letter off from the skeleton. Like, that, that's awesome and goofy. Every issue, every issue I read, I think, you know, Tim must must be having just a blast writing this stuff. And I feel like there's so many it's packed with so many references. One, I wish that we would get twice as many issues for this because there's so much to pack in there. Right. But also just, uh, you know, I feel like you have to know so much about Master of the Universe and and you know you must have absorbed so much of it too just to in, fully enjoy the comic book because there are so many uh, obscure references in there like in this la- latest issue there are, there are several references to serpos which i just got a kick out of that for that first hydron says it i thought well that's kind of interesting there's a goof in there yeah. actually i'll tell you guys this is a secret i i read through the thing and i'm like oh they goofed because uh-huh. the Someone at, I guess maybe when they were editing, or maybe it was me, I don't know. But it was originally the god on their world is Sarah, S E R U S. And so I had Skeletor say Serpos, but at least, I mean, I think someone still says Sarah in my, in, but it was supposed to be Hydron says Sarah, S E R U S. I don't know. It might have been me. But, but it makes, um, it's, it's still fun. It's just, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, they would say, and I, I wanted to have like, you know, that. They, you know, they they curse. They of course call upon their gods and 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 that sort of stuff. And right. just like fill out the world. But um, but yeah, there's a little Easter egg for you. Either me or an editor or letter <laughs> stuff. So <laughs> I have got a question on Kel on Prince Keldor because I've noticed that he's starting to grow and starting to accept some of the tendencies of the space Skeletor at the end, especially when he took the Habit staff. What made you take that route to have him starting to go towards that? Well, I mean, th- my pitch for this was um, th- this is about the difference between Skeletor and He-Man. It's not really about anti-Eternia. It's not really about any of that stuff. It's about the difference between uh, He-Man and Skeletor and why are they, why are they put this way um, and who they are as people. So, like, the, our, our Skeletor in the story, Keldor, is, is a good guy, but he's been exposed to himself from dimensions where he's worse and he's a bad guy and he's cruel and he's selfish. And he's power hungry. So he keeps seeing these versions of himself and they keep talking sense to him. He starts, he's tempted this entire time um, by the fact that he's supposed to be out there saving the universe. And every time he fails, he sees an argument that makes more sense to him. Uh, and, and so the question is, you know, is, is he inherently bad? Is anybody inherently bad? It's not his fault uh, because he's a Keldor. Um, and the story is really about, you know, that, that what makes someone he that's that's kind of what it's always been so you know can Keldor stop himself from becoming Skeletor he keeps seeing that of himself when Tila says you know every version of you that exists that she's ever seen has wears the face of death 
you know, and, and he really sort of, I mean, imagine if someone told you that, that every version of you in the universe is a serial killer or a, uh, you know, <laughs> like that would, that would freak you out. Um, and so that's the story of Arkeldo, right? That he, you know, there's this expectation on him that and he kind of knows that about himself. He knows that he is selfish and, you know, that he, I mean, you see him when you first see him on, on Anaeturia, you know, he fighting against responsibility and power. He doesn't want power. But he, part of him wonders is, is that because if he had it, he would use it malevolently. So, see, there are lots of, there are lots of thinking here. Yeah, exactly. Well, that goes to a question I was thinking when I was looking at the issue. You know, what's your idea of the new adventure Skeletor? Because I did find that scene really interesting that he kind of was very deep compared to in the first issue. You know, the Skeletor we saw was very direct typical villain i'm going to take over castle grayskull i'm holding eternia hostage that's a typical skeletor but in the new adventures one he seemed a little deeper and you know and that's where i wanted to ask you a little bit about what your characters were thinking because again you know in in the only media that we've gotten from new adventures skeletor was the typical villain i thought that cartoon he was pretty charming i mean the skeletor in the new adventures cartoon it's a it's a kid's cartoon but the it's not Alan Oppenheimer, but that voice is pretty charming. And that Skeletor, I, I like. That cartoon has, you know, things I, I'm not crazy about. But their Skeletor is pretty great. Uh, you know, and, and obviously it's kid-friendly and, and stuff. But he's always kind of got a wry, sarcastic um, thing about him. He's really well-written. And so I was just extrapolating from that, I think. Um, and just sort of, you know, playing with this idea that he, he'd given up everything to, to chase the power of Grayskull across the universe. Like, he... He hurt himself to do it, you know, badly. Um, like, what kind of person does that? I mean, what, what's the motivation for a guy like like that Keldor? Um, and that's the thing we're always kind of playing with is, you know, the, the origin of Skeletor that we kind of keep going back to is that he started out as this wizard who wanted all this power, and he blew his own face off, uh, and, you know, but he kept going. And, he, and he, you know, there's, what is it he wants? Why, why does he keep doing this? What, what is it? in the in the end that he really needs so that's the the way we're kind of playing him across all these iterations that you'll see you know when we get to the version from the 2000 x cartoon um you know we kind of play that to its natural end and in the the filmation world we see a skeletor um who's kind of you know i try to keep it i put these in order of skeletors really like every world they go to we accelerate their skeletors to the next logical step you know and so when you get to uh, New Adventure Skeletor, you've got this guy who, who's hurt himself in pursuit of power. And then in, in New Adventure Skeletor, or I mean in uh, 2000X Skeletor, you have a Skeletor who's won and he's not happy. And then you have um, Filmation Skeletor is a guy who, you know, well, I don't want to ruin it for him, but you'll see. And then oh, we see exactly. Oh, ruin it, ruin it. Yeah. Yeah, that's how. So I thought about this a lot, and I, I thought about how the evolution of the Skeletor character, I mean, he's not, he's actually pretty interesting. I mean, I, we all love him because he's cool and he's got a bonehead and he swings a sword and he's a big muscle guy, but but he's actually a really interesting character. I think he's, the reason that Skeletor, you know, can be on, you know, a credit card commercial or whatever is that he's iconic. There's something great about him that speaks to all of us. We all get it, you know, whether it's the movie version, which is actually really, really well done. Um, or the you know the scenery's chewing filmation version or or the mini comics version. He's just he's really iconic. He's a perfect character. So I've, I had to I had to treat him good. 
<laughs> you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of like this is the ghost of Christmas past. This is the ghost of Christmas future, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christmas Carol is one of my favorite stories of all time. So there nice. Is. Yeah, yeah. I I totally was thinking of that in the first issue is that you know they come to him and they say you have to do this thing and you resist and then he takes it because he 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 realizes he has to see you know if this prophecy is true is what Tila said true he has to know for himself he, it's a selfish reason really he he couches it in this like i'll go with you because maybe i can save the day but his choice is because he wants to see if he's really what she said he is oh isn't it the uh call of adventure you know the hero of a thousand faces oh yeah because uh, i had that because i'm open on my, on yeah, my i'm seeing right? keldor as the hero you know it's you know that we're we expect good things out of or not good things but is you know we're watching it through his eyes it's absolutely the hero's journey this is absolutely yeah. you know the refusal of the call and all that stuff is yeah if it was good enough for star wars it's good enough for me <laughs> <laughs> is your blade dull you getting tired not getting to the point come to trap draws blade service we'll get you sharpened up real quick Go ahead. i have a question from the beginning of the issue of issue two where we see flip shot in space how is he breathing in space? Because we see later in the issue where He-Man and Tapper He-Man, uh, moving He-Man, Tapper He-Man, they're obviously holding their breath. So uh, it's probably acclimation, you know. You know, it's like how yeah. mole people can see in the dark. So that is I go by land. the theory that so if you wouldn't have <laughs> asked the question as a kid, then you don't you can't ask it. So if you didn't ask it when you were a little kid, you had that toy. And you were playing with flip shot in space, then, and you didn't ask questions, then you don't get that. That's how I, but I mean, you know, it's, I don't want to mess up the toy. Like, I could have put an apparatus over his mouth or whatever, but I, you know, to me, it's like, it's not realistic anyway. You know, like, I try to make it a right. little in that, you know, they, he man, they can't talk in space. Like, I try to do, it's sort of realistic, but, you know, it's not. It's fantasy. So. Well, his mouth is closed in, in, I think all the 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 panels where he's shown, so maybe he is holding his breath, or maybe he has a force field around him that uh, contains. That's what I figured. <laughs> like yeah, like Star Trek, the animated show. Yeah, I, I just went with that. Yeah. Like, okay, it's invisible. Yeah. He's got a force field. We're good to go. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You, you know. That's, I mean, that's if that's what you would have done when you were a kid. You're like, if someone said, if your dad said, "I don't get it, son. He, how's he yeah. talking in space?" You'd be like, "Oh, he's got a force field, dad, and good enough." What? Even on filmation, <laughs> there were a couple episodes where He-Man and She-Ra were like at crazy altitudes or whatever, and it's like, okay, they, they're still talking, they haven't lost their breath, just go with it. You know, right. I mean, it's it, it, they did that on the Christmas special. Even we we looked at the yeah. other week. So, well, to be fair, I mean, as a kid, when I looked at those episodes of the film Tration, I saw He-Man in space and he's <laughs> uh, punching a comet, he's flying in space, doing something like that. I was like. Okay, uh, why is he not frozen? How? I mean, it didn't make sense to me as a kid. <laughs> well, you, I, you I, were I, that I, kid. That's I, why. <laughs> okay, well, I got I got to ask the other question then, since it's come up. We start off with that issue. There's kind of a space battle. We see the Astro subs. We see the Bola jet and all that. Who are they shooting at? Mutants. The mutants escaped. The mutants escaped and got into their vehicle. Oh, yeah. okay. Because I didn't see any mutants. Vehicles. Well, the perspective I saw, it looked like the mutants were shooting at the planet in the vehicle. Like they were I mean, trying to uh, break through Primus's force field or something. Script wise, it was just that the mutants got out and they stole a bunch of them. You see the hangar, 
they stole a bunch of vehicles and tried to get off the planet Earth, off Starship Eternia, and Hy- Hydron and Cliffshot were trying to contain them. Um, but I, you know, I, I think so. Here's the here's the reality. To the things up. If I if I had put them in the mutant vehicles, you'd be like, where'd they get the mutant vehicles from? That doesn't make any sense. Why would they? Keep them by <laughs> Good point. So so. I, Comics is visual. You have the sometimes you make choices that are just it looks good or because it's easier because it's cool. So clearly, I should have just chose the thing that looked cool, even if it makes sense. Yeah. But that's the you know that's that's the the thing, right? That's, but the idea, you know, it would have been easy if vehicles had a guy whose head is sticking out, and you'd been like, hey, there's you know there's there's Steg, uh, what's his name, Steghead or whatever, uh, or maybe out there spray painted. If they spray painted an Anarchy A on the bad vehicles, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you well, go. Well, that's the sad part, like, isn't it? I think there was like only one or two vehicle toys. Did we ever get any mutant space toys? They had like a they, walker yeah. thing. The yeah, that's all. That had broken legs, but not the, like a the space, space shuttle. Oh yeah, Skeletor had his oh. skull. Well, there's the well, skull copter. And then there's yeah, a yeah, smaller, uh, there's a smaller shuttle that had some uh, storage space for weapons in the back. Right, <clears throat> yeah, we didn't get a lot of vehicles, which is a bummer because they were, you know, I'm sure they were gonna, they were just waiting to design some cool shit for those. But yeah. that was always, that was actually one of the weaknesses of New Adventures He-Man was that the vehicles were not as cool as the, as the original line. You know, like compare the Bullet Jet Wind Raider or Talon Fighter or Battle Ram, and it's not even close. So well, just, and they're cool. They're just not as cool. And yet, Dan was able to make Battle Bird look amazing on the first page. Yeah, see, that he one really was cool. pulled Battle it Bird. off. <laughs> not a lot of angles. Not a lot of angles of that thing on the internet. I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> that, was, that was some serious mental extrapolation. I could not find a single. It's like I could find three quarter side views, and that was it. And I'm like, nice. okay, well, I do, almost do what I there can. was one on eBay. My art dealer sent me one that was on eBay. I thought about buying it and taking pictures for you. And then I was like, oh, man. Then I'll have to figure out where to put that damn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wanted to say that it's in outer space. And it's so it, it is easy to compare to Star Wars. But I would compare this last uh, latest issue and, and, well, all these issues to Game of Thrones because this whole thing is like one big snuff film, right? And <laughs> and I really oh. want to know, it, Tim, uh, with every, all these He-Mans and Skeletors you're killing off, looking forward, is there any particular He-Man or Skeletor that you really feel bad about killing because it's so dear to your heart? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Filmation uh, He-Man. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. See? I mean, that's yeah. I I totally but, wondered about that. Like, like how can you kill Filmation He Man? I mean, you'll have to read it because you know it, that's certainly <laughs> a good question. Uh, but I mean, you know, I, hey, if, if you kill I him, I wouldn't kill, kill him. him. <laughs> well, yeah, hypothetically, see, yeah, you'll see that. We, I mean, you know, Dan and I talk about how to do this stuff and and you know about how we're gonna do the Filmation world um, because it's obviously the kids thing and. He-Man fans are all old guys and they get mad if it's too cute and they get right. like, you know, people got pissed because I put Tapper's crate, uh, He-Man in there. Yeah. Like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, Orko is part of this story usually, so <laughs> get over it. But, um, <laughs> but the, you know, but they're, they're, I was trying to get a variation in different kinds of characters of mm-hmm. their looks and their personalities and stuff. And 
combining, you know, the a sort of darker story with the filmation stuff is it's like cognitive dissonance. It's very hard to do. Right. <laughs> and I, you know, I mean, I wanted to tell a big epic story, and they told really good stories in there, but you know, it's it's tough to to do this without. I don't want it to be cynical. I don't want it to be exploitive. I don't want to um, make fun of something that I don't think is to be made fun of. So, you know, it is, it's a lot of figuring out the tone and the, what makes these things great and why they uh, resonate. And, you know, but also like being aware that majority of the readers are going to be guys our age, you know. Um, but there's going to be kids coming into this thing from the new cartoon and, I mean, you guys are a power con. There's all kinds of girls walking around that were never there before because they love mm-hmm. the show. Yeah. And we have yep. to honor those kids too. Like I, I'm not making something that they can't read. So, um, so, you know, that's the, it's a balance. And I think that's one of the things we, Dan, and I talked about this with, with Mattel was like, you know, we're going to make you, and I think they trust us to do it. We're going to make something sort of universal. Like, yes, there will be violence in it, but it's not going to be excessive or exploitive or, um, and there's going to be high stakes, but you know it's not going to be super dark. Like this, this has to be for all audience. Important. And I'm not, you know, um, I don't go out of my way to make this um, for just adult collectors because I think that would be wrong. How has Mattel been with this? Because I imagine, you know, there was a point in time I remember um, when we talked to, uh, well, I talked to Gary Goddard for the director of the He-Man movie and how restricted Mattel was and. We've had uh, other writers of the MYP series talk about Mattel and how restrictive they were. And for a while, there really was restriction. Have you had much restriction? No, none. I mean, I honestly, there are times when, I, well, I mean, Rob David, David and I have talked about this story pretty extensively. He contributed ideas to it. Um, you know, they were the Mattel brand people have been involved since the beginning, since I pitched it. Um, and I actually worked with them, like some of the ideas in this are theirs. Uh, and so, yeah, I've actually, they're great to work with. You know, Rob and I sat down for a drink at San Diego Comic-Con and went through the first three or four issues. Um, and, and I haven't had any notes yet, so knock on wood. Um, but I just turned in five last week. So, I mean, unless I totally screw up six, uh, I'll be batting a thousand. And I, you know, I, the, the last Master Universe series I wrote with Injustice, I didn't get any notes either. Um. So part of it is, I think, you know, um, I talked to them beforehand. I know what they like. I know Rob and I kind of have the same taste, I think. Um, we have the same view of He-Man, for sure, uh, which really helps. Um, but I, And I also think that their viewpoint on the brand has sort of evolved to say, you know, it, it, it's, it's broad and it encompasses so many things. And that's, that's a really wise decision. I think, um, you know, they, they understand that you can – you know, you can make a silly He-Man story. You can make a serious one. You can have them doing uh, dirty dancing moves on a commercial. You can you can do all these things. Uh, <laughs> oh, because, tell me that's not iconic. in the comic book. Oh, well, that's going to be uh, issue six. It all ends in a dance oh. off. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I want to do the the Bollywood He-Man yep. too. Uh, there's a there Bollywood. You got to be dirty dancing He-Man. But, uh, he says I mean, something you know, after issue six. But I think that's the cool thing about, and, and this is you know something I've, I've been really thinking about since we did the art book, which was at some point, you know, when they were making these toys, they said we want to have a toy line that can do everything. If we want to have the, the kids play with swords, we have that. If we want them to play with spaceships, we have that. If we want monsters, we have monsters. We have a sea monster, we have a jungle monster. We have 
they have everything. That's all Imagine Unity was a, you know, sort of overarching, uh, brand that could incorporate everything. And, um, as, as I think, you know, 30 some years has gone on, 37, um, they've completely embraced this idea that anything cool is He-Man, you know, and, and all that's it, this, the only thing that's really important is that you keep this sort of humanity of this lead character who is a good guy mm-hmm. and just wants to do the right thing. And that Master Universe can be anything. And that's, that's it. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. you know, as long as you tell stories within that, I think uh, it totally works. And the, the, you know, the DC series that Rob um, headlined, they got to do the sort of big epic story that they had planned for the brand that, and that's been done. And so we aren't doing that story because, they killed it. They they nailed it. They already did it. And so we're going to do something different. We're adding to the mythos in a new way, you know. And that's that's kind of the the approach. I think it's the right approach. Uh, Tim, could I could I just uh, say one thing? The the injustice. I I uh, I forgot about you working on that. I, I, not not that you did a bad job. I just I was like, that's right. You did that when you brought that up. And I wanted to say really quick. One of the my favorite moments in that entire miniseries was the moment between He Man. And the girl who wanted to commit suicide because of the world she was living in. And that moment was, I, I got chills and I even got misty eyed for a minute because the thing that you really nailed in how he spoke to her was the goodness of that character and the soul of that character. And that's why a lot of this resonates to us even to this day, because in this day and age, that's something that is it speaks volumes now, like how Captain America is being embraced and it's not corny anymore. You know, and 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 yeah. like they're still trying to figure Superman out, unfortunately. But Captain America knocks it out of the park, and He Man is kind of in that in that trifecta for me, and superheroes and heroes in in that way. And that moment where he's like, "Why would you want to do that to yourself? I want to make your world better. I'm going to help save your world." The way he he spoke to her, I got chills, and I'm like, "That is one of the greatest interpretations of that character that I've gotten to read since the new comics began." And I really wanted to say thank you for that because it, it went a long way to show this is the core of that character. All you had to read is that simple little scene. He might look barbarian, but man, is he going to look after you if you're on his side and he knows you need his help, you know, and that was great. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I think that that's exactly it. Like, I think you have to hold on to that with you, man, because we do live in an increasingly mean world. I mean, meanness is now like it's like a way to get ahead. It's okay. Meanness is cool. And I think that's bullshit. And this character is for kids because he's, he's someone that they can look up to. Um, it's even more important that she was, you know, popular now and that she's got the same message for girls. Um, and I, I, I think like, you know, if sometimes you have people who don't like, there's people who want this dark he man or it's not unrealistic that Superman be so good. And it's like, the problem is not the characters. It's that you're an asshole. You know, like that's like if you don't, if you're someone who doesn't get um, Superman or He-Man or Captain America, you're a dick. Like so, that's you know that's kind of the thing. Those characters, it, we, it's so important that we don't ruin them. Um, and that you know that's been my philosophy about this whole thing is is if I'm gonna tell a story about um, about the evil He-Man, we have to have a reason for it, and we have it has to be used to show the goodness of, of the other He-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. Yeah, it's cheesy and oh, silly, but it's perfect and, and important. Yeah. Um, Tim, I had a question for you. Um, just one last little, maybe spoiler if you can at all. Are we going to see possibly, um, another iteration of Keenan join the team of, uh, trying to save the multiverse? Uh, sort of. Yeah. I mean, I keep reading, but yes, 
Uh, <laughs> well, well, there's so much good stuff I had to use, so I'm not. You know, the, the problem is, you're, someone said this earlier, is that it's only six issues. That thing kills me that I've only got six issues because I easily could have done. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, there's so much stuff that we I wanted to touch on. Twenty issues. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really easily could have. Um, you know, I mean, there's so many worlds that we I would have liked to have touched on. There's so many character iterate. I didn't get, you know, it, it bums me out that Man at Arms and Tila are not major parts of the story. That Orko is not a major part of the story. I mean, that kills me. It kills me. I'll get to use Battle Cat very much, you know. So, um, it's just I only got six issues. So, like, I have to focus on the stuff. I can't bring out all my extra figures. You know, it's like when you were a kid and your mom said you can only bring four, and you're like, all right, I got to figure this shit out. That's what this is like. I gotta, like, I want to throw in all of that. You know? If you are looking for a place to live, we recommend the Dark Hemisphere. The Dark Hemisphere has wide open spaces, barren land, relatively crime-free zones. If you're interested, contact Skeletor at Snake Mountain. If you don't get thrown in the dungeon, tell them Renee sent you. So would you be interested in pitching like a Tales from the Multiverse sort of book? That'd be awesome. I'll do it if Dan draws it. Yeah, I'm. Silly. There you go. <laughs> Are you ready um, to work, I mean, Dan? Are you ready? <laughs> I'm drawing uh, right now. <laughs> Timmy, that's a brilliant idea. Because when I was finishing the second issue, I didn't want to leave the new adventure. I liked your new adventures universe. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's I the one fun. thing I said in the beginning was I didn't feel we had that much representation. And you really gave it a voice. You really shaped it. I mean, you had Master Sabrian in there. You had Kaz. You had Drizzy, which, again, were not in the mini comics, but you imported them in there. And they had some weight. And then, yeah, you did have Starship Eternia. You added all that. And to me, it just felt, oh, I got to leave it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, you killed yeah. E-Man? But, it oh, was yeah. A, it was a great blend. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. I, I agree. It sucks to be only to do those for one issue. That. That was the hardest thing about this is to, you know, to go back and look at all this great stuff that people developed. Um, the guy, I met the guy who wrote almost all, I think maybe all the episodes of the new adventures. Wonderful guy. Um, super creative. He did all, I think he did most of that stuff himself. Um, and he created so much stuff that it's such a bummer that it's not being explored more. I mean, there's so much, you know, there, you go through those old episodes. There's, when they go back to the, um, the world that the uh, mutants are from, there's all this cool stuff. There's a bar. Like that they hang out at. There's there's all this cool stuff that it's such a bummer that you know don't have room. And I I have the same problem with um, in issue three when we go to a Mike Young show and there's all these creative people doing all this cool stuff and we only get to just do like a like a pretty intense tour. And I, I would say there's one thing I think I messed up in some of these issues was I was so excited to be in that world that I put in too much. Uh, and so like. You know, and Dan will tell you, like, I almost murdered him. He almost killed him. <laughs> in issue three, he has to draw Skeletor's boots and everything else, you know. And we, I mean, I, I you know, it's like, we came up with this notion that Skeletor in um, in this world, uh, in the 2000X Mike Young production, he's got the power of Grace Call. He, he, so he, he's in God mode. He looks like a pimp Skeletor, the... Um, you got the, you know, this two thousand. It's Disco game. Skeletor, the Disco most hated figure of all time. Skeletor. Pimp Skeletor, yeah, Disco Skeletor. Um, but I mean, like, I probably overdid it. Like, maybe that was an unnecessary, you know. Like, but I just thought it was so cool. It's like you gotta use that. It was so cool. So it, maybe my enthusiasm overtook me 
a couple times. Well, just to point out, you know, just, uh, you know, as we're getting to the next issue, and I know we're dancing around spoilers and all that, but you've already kind of set it up for the last, with the last page and all that. Are you continuing the Mike Young yeah, series? Yeah, it is. It picks up from the last episode. Yeah. Well, sort of. Oh, so yeah. It's basically like maybe a year or something later. Um, or, yeah. So we, uh, right. Uh, the, uh, kind of. Yeah, later. I don't want to get too bad. But, yeah, so basically, or maybe a few years later. Um, but at some point in the future, immediately after that. Um, and then, so, you know, we kind of pick up with Hordak and King Hiss and, uh, and Skeletor is taking over the, the Light Hemisphere. And, uh, yeah. So when we see, the, well, I don't want to ruin anything. But when we see this He-Man, he Ruined it. Uh, no, uh, he's, <laughs> no in a, a <laughs> he's in a, a variation of the costume that was important to the Mike Young Productions cartoon. So, yes. So we, it all, I did lots of research. I watched so many cartoons. So, so, <laughs> so many. Nice. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I felt like fans didn't get to, you know, that, that was a really great cartoon. Um, and it was so yes. intricately plotted and it was, it, it was meant to go on, and um, obviously, me doing the entire season in one issue is not ideal. But I tried to, you know, at least sort of pick up from, you know, what was implied there, and um, and just try to, you know, give you a cool story in one issue. So it's it's accessible, hopefully, uh, but it's based in that continuity. You don't have to go rewatch it now again to understand it, but it's certainly intended to be um, part of that that mythos. And well, jump into Dent real quick. Yeah. Could you tell us how it is drawing that third issue? I mean, you told us last time before uh, drawing, you know, before the second issue came out, some of your experiences. How was your experience drawing issue three in the new world? It was interesting because, you know, the there's because of the evolution of things, a lot of reference didn't doesn't exist or de- didn't exist. Uh, or if it did exist, there were modifications. So it was sort of, um, you know, as far as locations were concerned, there's a lot of invention, uh, happening, you know, like what is a, what is this, this room look like? What does this, this area look like? You know, uh, that sort of thing. And, uh, also I found that, uh, the costuming on, on issue three was more difficult to draw in that even though there was a lot more detail on the space adventure stuff, uh, the, there was more symmetry happening in the Mike Young designs, which you go, oh, that's pretty easy. But when you're freehanding everything, uh, you know, it, you want to make sure things look just right or they end up looking lopsided, like especially like, you know, um, General Rattler. He was always a pain to draw. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> well, you put him with all armor. the scales and everything? Yes. Well, he also oh had, had to draw. He had to draw well, King Hiss. He had to do the yeah the, the guys who are the mixed. They're Snake Man who wear horde armor. He had to draw a bunch of those, which oh. those are not. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's not easy. But I mean that that's the thing is I like I like challenges. Uh, you know, and and I try to give as much as I can. Uh, while I'm doing it, so I I don't know. Issue three, I I feel like. You know, each issue for me, is, and Tim had touched upon this earlier about how in issue one I hadn't drawn a comic in a long time. And um, what I decided to do with, with each issue is sort of like treat it like procedural training, like, the, you know, this this episode I'm drawing space stuff and I haven't drawn space stuff in forever. And then this 
this this issue i'm drawing sort of more medieval stuff and i'm going to put more shadows and i'm going to play with shadows so it was you know they're sort of multifaceted in in uh the approach that i that i take when i do stuff you know obviously i want to do a good job but i, I also want to challenge myself but uh also uh you know try to learn that that's a uh, one of the main things it's one of the things i get most excited about is uh learning dan so my understanding yeah. is that after after issue three you're passing the baton to a different artist tom dernick yeah how'd you hear that gosh it was some Solicit website or yeah solicitation uh you know advertisements or something like that Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, issue four, uh, very talented Tom is taking over. Well, I, I hope to see you again in another, you know, Masters of the Universe project soon. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't, I wouldn't count me out. It, you know, this, this I don't know what details uh, are out there, but uh, Tom, Tom it was a saving grace as far as me being able to hold down uh, multiple deadlines. Mm-hmm. With uh, you know, I I also storyboard three television shows on top of uh, drawing comics. Mm-hmm. So it got it got to a point where uh, things you know are so detailed and so uh, heavy lift that no matter how many hours I would be working a day, nothing would ever be completely finished. Right. Well, I understand yeah. that originally you you turned down the project just because you were so busy with those other other things. That's true. Yeah. That's, I actually t- I turned this project down three times, uh, but uh, <laughs> I did. I did. But they, you know, um, I really enjoy He Man. Uh, I especially enjoy Tim. Tim has uh, been a pleasure to work with. I want to work with Tim in the future on on anything. Uh, I, I like him as a writer, and, and especially like him as a friend. Um, so yeah, I mean the this the whole experience has been been uh, amazing, but uh, yeah, that that was uh, like I said, Tom Tom basically saved the day. Well, we hate to see you go, but again, Masters of the Universe had so many talented artists and even fans who've become artists show it, and you know yeah. your work is going to go in the annals of Motu history. You know you really were groundbreaking. We hate to see you go, but we do appreciate. I, hey, man, that's, what you've that's done. very kind. That's very kind. I, I, uh, I wasn't sure. That was one of my main concerns too when I when I had to step off. Is like, uh, hopefully, people won't be like soften me. But uh, you know, my my main thing is is I wanted to make sure that the book could get out on time. And you know, I I I let editorial know and Tim know uh, when there was still ample time, so the book wouldn't wouldn't uh, miss any marks. So. I, from what I understand, issue three, you'll be getting issue three, January 15th. Yeah, that's, um, that's what we day. saw in solicitations. Cannot wait for it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's going to be awesome. Some of my favorite stuff is in there. I got one of my, my favorite pages, uh, is page seven, page seven. Uh, I got to draw, uh, Tila and oh, not, nice. not the, not, not the, uh, not the anti anti Tila because that's that's one of the hard one of the hard things about drawing the anti people is I'm drawing that stuff like that I'm not they're not using any filters to make them negative so you know you there's this sort of like internal struggle of reversing things in your head and also making making sure they look uh, right and not weird so uh, drawing Tila in three was 
a special special treat for me because I got to draw her without having to like use that crazy part of my brain. It was a little more more relaxing. Right. Nice. Wow. Cannot wait to see. I mean, you you guys put out amazing work. We're it looks like we're coming up to the end of our hour, and uh, I, yeah. I could have you on, on here all day. Thank you both of you so much for for taking time out of your busy schedules to to talk with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I, yeah. I, anytime I can talk to Dan, it's a pleasure for me. So yeah, thank you for having us. So we could we could BS too. Now before we let yeah. you go, we always ask, uh, where can uh, people follow you guys? Where can we stalk you? Yeah, sure. I'm on Twitter at Hackintonseely. Um, I'm on Instagram, Tim Seeley. I'm on uh, DeviantArt, and I have a website, uh, TimSeelyCreative.com, I think. So, yes, there we go. That's all of them. And then for, for me, the word is Couch Doodles, C-O-U-C-H-D-O-O-D-L-E-S. Uh, I especially like to send people to my YouTube channel uh, that's dedicated to inspiring creative people and lightning. Uh, and empowering people's creativity through example. And I'm going to have guys like Tim Seeley as guests. I've had Ryan Stegman on. I've got uh, future interviews that are, have already been recorded. They just have to be posted with Neil Adams, Mike Mignola, Ken Dungi, Rob Liefeld, Mark Bagley, Jim Mahfoud, uh, Dave Johnson, Coley Hamner. So they're all, they're all uh, coming up on, on my, my YouTube channel in the next couple of months. So just search for Couch Doodles. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, gentlemen. It was just awesome. We are looking forward to your issues. And uh, again, I, I praise you for what you guys done. And like you said before, it's only six issues is not enough. Yeah. Tell them to tell that. Tell everybody so we get more. Well, it, and it would be fun to have you back on the show before yeah, this. Before this year. Awesome. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming. No problem, guys. I would like to thank our special guests, Tim and Dan, for joining us today. Please remember... Masters of the Universe Issue 2 is on sale right now, so visit your local comic book store or Amazon for a digital copy. And on January 15th, Issue 3 comes out, where we go into the Mike Young universe. I'd also like to give a big shout-out that the last of the reaction figures, which is He-Man and Battle Cat and Skeletor and Panther, are on sale now at Super 7. And I'd like to thank our friends over at HeMan.org for all their support. And this is Kelly wishing you a good journey. This is Renee. Uh, I'd like to wish you all a good journey. And I want to tell everybody Happy New Year. And I want to thank everybody on this podcast. You guys helped make 2019 super awesome. Uh, I am looking forward to having you guys for many more years to come. And I know we're going to make 2020 a Motu year. So thank you, guys. This is Rex. I would like to thank everyone for having me again today and wish everyone a happy new year. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone again in 2020. And this is Sean. Again, uh, I'm glad everybody had a happy holidays and uh, happy new year, everybody. Looking forward to 2020 and more time with the council. You can find me on Facebook at October Sun Art. And uh, good journey, everybody. This is David. 
Uh, I cannot wait for next year. Uh, 2020 is going to be amazing for Masters of the Universe fans and She-Ra. Uh, I want to uh, just urge everybody to pay a visit to the He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse uh, Facebook page. Go ahead and check that out. And I want to thank uh, Tim and Dan again for coming on the show. Good journey. And Happy New Year to all our friends. And can't wait for 2020 as the whole decade will be for us, Masters of the Universe fans. Good night. This has been a Nerds on the Couch production in association with adultcollector.org.